0: Welcome to the Remarkable Dentist Podcast with me, Fred Joyle, where I interview amazing dental practice owners digging into their successes and failures, their insights and hindsight, getting their views on where dentistry is going and discovering what it took for them to become remarkable. Welcome to the next episode of the Remarkable Dentist podcast. Today, my remarkable dentist is doctor Yusan Kim in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. She has a a phenomenal practice. She actually has three practices. We're going to talk about how she developed those practices and all of the technology that she's incorporated into her practice. Uh, It's going to be a a really interesting story. So uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Dr. Yusan Kim, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Fred. And I am honored to be on your podcast because I know you do amazing, great things. And it's been a great friendship that we've had over the years. And this is just so exciting for me to be on the show, to be able to share my story and also get some wisdom. Because every time I talk to you, I, I learn something too. So well, this- I'll, I'll
0: try to contribute a little something. Now, People are looking at you going, so she just graduated from dental school, right? Because oh, she's yeah. only 25. So how can she have three practices?
1: Four. So, Four. See, that's yeah, what that's that, so. all. another one, um, so probably since <laughs> I talked to you last. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. You're acquisitive when it comes to practice, which is great. So uh, when did you actually graduate from dental school?
1: 1999. So that was a while ago.
0: Yeah, it was it was the previous century, technically, oh, just, right, just barely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so what drew you to the field, the profession?
1: So it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I am what we call the 1.5 generation because my parents were obviously uh, from uh, South Korea and then we immigrated to the U.S. when I was 16. So I'm considered a 1.5 generation where I'm not born here, but then I've spent enough my childhood or the teenagehood here that I assimilated well, but like neither nor kind of thing. It's a kind of an interesting term, but I kind of really feel that because I'm bilingual you know, in Korean culture and also um, English as well too. And then I kind of understand both of the cultures. So after we immigrated to the United States, Um, after uh, like about 16-year-old my age, um, I was interested in medicine because my mother was diagnosed with cancer right away. And I was the only one who acquired uh, the language immediately enough to be able to understand what's going on with the whole field and being able to actually do uh, communications, translations, and even to have to understand what's going on to be able to help with the diagnosis and treatments for my mom. So I was really thinking that that was my path, that's where I was going to go. But as we all know, with cancer, you know, there is a little bit of an end story to that. So my mother, after five years of fighting cancer, did pass away when I was uh, first year in college. And that was a time when I decided I cannot do oncology because this is not something that I would enjoy with the rest of my life. As much as I enjoyed making connections with patients and building relationships, I did not want to have that Um, The end story of the patient kind of looming ahead all the time, especially with my mom's death. So that was time when I had to turn to the field of medicine where I didn't have to face death, so to speak. So my advisor at the time talked about I could go into medicine where I could do eyes, teeth or feet. And, you know, I'm like,
0: teeth, please, no, I don't
1: want to do teeth. And eyes always kind of made me a little grossed out a little bit. And teeth, I never even thought there was a possibility. So I went and did about a a week introductory course at the time at University of Maryland Dental School. And I went, uh, spent a week there. And, oh, my gosh, I fell in love. And I just thought how come I never heard about this? And I didn't even know it was a part of the school that I could go to. So I changed my path from pre-med to pre-dental and never looked back. And honestly, like, you know, 20 some years later now, I look back and think, wow, you know, God does work are upstream because if I did choose that on college path at the point, I don't know if I'd be as happy as I would be, as I am now and kind of feel that contribution that I'm doing to the field that I'm doing right now as well too.
0: Yeah, I think that, it, it's a, it's a very serious choice to go into oncology uh, yeah. and and pediatric oncology. I don't know how they do it. Um, you, you have to be a different kind of person. The, the,
1: yes. I mean, we need those people obviously, but yeah. I just knew that I wasn't cut out to be that. I mean, even now yeah. with somebody, some of my patients tell me about their cancer stories, I'm bawling, you know, it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. special people. So my kudos to all those oncologists and those people here in the field.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, come to- yeah. Our, our friend Bernie Stoltz always talks about how you have to have emotional fitness and mental toughness mm-hmm. and that you needed an exponential way in that career. Uh, so so you discovered dentistry and uh and so, and then you, and did you start, so everything happens in, in uh, Pennsylvania, in Morgantown. So Morgantown is the first practice you have. That location is your first practice. When did you become an owner?
1: So I graduated in 99. I did two years of residency at Penn. Um, and then I joined the private practice in this area. And then about two years after I decided to start my own so that was 2003 Um, it's funny because the practice that I started at that point was tiny little place it was like a 900 square foot at top um, maybe two and a half up and I call it a half up because if the hygiene goes into that room she cannot get out like once the chair is down she can't move (laughs) around and then in the uh, waiting room there was enough room for two folding chairs and that was it so after this pandemic time, I was telling my team, I said, I just want you guys to know that I actually did pre protocol, like pre pandemic protocol or post pandemic protocol pre-COVID, because I didn't have enough room for the people to stay in the waiting room to wait. So a lot of times I had to have them wait out in the car in their parking space. And then whenever I was ready, we'll go out and knock on the door. It's like, okay, it's your turn. Come back in. So we were actually doing that at at the time. Obviously, six months into that space, we're like top. That's that's pretty
0: ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it was a small practice. Um, I was just renting the space. But... I mean, that's where we started. It was it was really amazing. And within six months, we knew we had to get out of there because we were like standing room only pretty much at that point. So just like a quarter mile down, then we found a lot. Um, so I went through the whole land development, you know, knocking down whatever that was there, built the place, and then we moved in. I plumbed a place for seven offs, thinking, wow, I don't know if I'm ever gonna be using those full seven offs. So, because I'm coming from this two and a half-ish type of a location. So we fitted out like three and a half. So like fitted full three, and then third to be ready. And then within I would say two three years, all seven offs obviously got plumbed. And that well, it was initially plumbed. All got equipped, and then we were rolling. And you know, just when I thought they were like I couldn't do anymore. Just dentistry just evolved so much with the technology and everything else that goes into it. So there's never like a stagnant moment for me. And I feel like with all those new advancements and technology that's out there, you're continually growing. So obviously, as you have mentioned earlier, we have kind of outgrown our space right now. So we've expanded out to different locations. And then now we're actually in the process of building a bigger location just down the street. Um, we're thinking 12 up at this point. Um, but I'm holding an extra pad to be able to build out because I learned my lesson when I did my seminar. <laughs> thinking, I don't know if I'm going to fill that, and you know, you get you have you have to learn from your own experiences as well.
0: Yeah, I one of the other people I had on the podcast has 14 uh, pediatric uh, dental centers that, mm-hmm. that that he's he's created in succession. And he said, well, you know, he says, I I, I know exactly the, the the layout. And I said, so you have a basically design that you don't have to change it. He goes, I said, so at what point did you have it down? And he went, never. He says, every time we build a new one, we, we learn something. We end up going back to the previous offices and adding that or changing that because it's just a constant evolution all the way to the 14th practice. So uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, it's not, it's not that they're mistakes. It's that they're improvements because you said, because you, you can't predict the future. You can like, you you know, seven ops, you go, wow, this is going to be all I'm ever going to need. Maybe I'll never need seven ops. And then all of a sudden you go, yep. Nowhere near enough. So, uh, so when did practice number two happen?
1: Practice number two happened about six years ago. Um, that's when uh, we had a a doctor coming in and wanting to be an associate doctor in my um, mothership morgantown location and we i am very much a relationship oriented um, dentist i have patients that i knew them before they were even born because i was treating their parents when they were teenagers and then now they're married and have their own kids and then bringing into the practice so that's how I know I'm getting old because I'm like, wait a minute, yeah, I will my grandmother at The next at
0: generation <laughs> is, is adults. That's a problem. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. so sometimes I'm seeing those generations of patients. I'm going, oh, my goodness, I must be getting old. But that's when it gets exciting because you get to see, as you were saying, see what you did wrong. 20 years ago. And now what you can do better and how you can fix things. And then even some of those relationships you're having definitely makes you a better person and better clinician along the way. So that makes it, uh, you know, that makes the success story. I think for me, if anything, cause that's what we're gearing toward where basically it's not like patients are coming in. They don't feel like they're coming in as a number or at this point, I think it's been a while since somebody actually said, if I, propose a treatment plan, they go, oh, are you saying that because you need to pay for your car? You know, that kind of stuff. You know how people say that. Right. The, the
0: standard response to yeah, uh, an yeah. expensive like, plan. Yeah. Like, what do you have to
1: pay for your, you know, your vacation home? You know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. now, like, patients really understand when I'm giving a treatment plan, it's because that's what they need and that's what they should have done. And then normally, it's like, you know, they accept the treatment plan. So it's a relationship that you have to build in order to make sure patients understand that you are there for their you're their advocate and then they understand that they're going to get the good care when they have that partnership going. So for because of that reason I was very hesitant of bringing some other doctor into the practice because my office grew basically water mouth so when doc, patients come in thinking that they're going to see dr kim i didn't want them to come in all of a sudden seeing dr joel joel you know because it's just like i didn't want to feel like um switch and bait type of situation so it was i was very hesitant about that and i'm still kind of like that and probably controlness in it, that you know control freakness of me a little bit there too <laughs> uh, so maybe just a little maybe <laughs> so we ended up opening an additional location because we figured we know how to build this family practice. And I wanted to give that opportunity to another um, a doctor to be able to help with that support. And that actually started the whole multi-location um, uh, the, the, that we are having right now, because it worked. And then it seemed to work really well. And that also helped me to be able to transcend my knowledge and my experience and then also learn from the stuff. Because each location seems like it brings different challenges at a given time. So that was also a learning experience as well. So what you're saying um, with your previous uh, podcaster interviewees, it's like same thing. You know, yes, it's, it's not like we're making a mistake, but we're learning. And I think yeah. if you're where you're all the time and not growing and not willing to experiment and, you know, experience things. And I think you're not going to grow and you're not going to have fun with what you're doing. You're just going to your life is going to get bored. If it's so predictable, then I think it's you're just going to feel like I get up. I do the same thing. Oh, I'm done. And I don't think there's a joy in life at that point. When there's a change or excitement or un- instability, that's when things become more exciting.
0: Well, there's I, I'm, I'm actually been reading more about uh this thing called flow state which we can't get into but it's it's basically when you are it'll happen to you in particular when you're you're in doing a complex case and you're just the whole world shuts off and you're you're just completely focused but you're working at right at the full peak of your skill and you actually feel great your body's actually putting uh you know serotonin and dopamine in your body as you do this um but one of the things that they talk about that creates a flow state is you've you're working this zone between your challenge and your challenge and skill so you're at the edge of your skill set and you're and you're challenging yourself and and that's what makes it enjoyable so that's what that's what draws you in so that's what you're saying and I think I think that's a really important message for doctors is if if you've reached a point in your career where you're not challenging yourself, that could be why you're not that excited about going to the office every day. Because dentistry is now more than ever, there's so much interesting wow. new procedures and technologies that that are make it better and faster for the patient, different than than ever existed. And uh and we have the opportunity to, to attract way more people to dentistry because of that. People are drawn to faster, better, more affordable, you know, new they, they you know, people are buying new iPhones every, every year, not because theirs is broken, but they like new technology. So uh, oh,
1: I, I can't agree with you more. I usually give I obviously I'm very technology driven and I'm progressive. And making sure that I'm giving the best care for the patients, utilizing everything that's out there to provide that best care. And I usually explain to my patients this way. I said, if you had to have an open heart surgery 20 years ago, they would literally crack open your uh, rib cage and then go in and do whatever they need to do. And then you're immobilized for two to three months because you can't suture things back up. You're just casted for that long in order for things to heal. The same surgery that you have to get done now is done laparoscopically. A little tiny incision between ribs, they go in, fix it, and then you're literally out the door the next day. So if you had an option of having that same surgery done at this point and knowing one procedure to another of technology versus no technology, which one would you choose? I mean, are you nuts if you're gonna <laughs> actually get <laughs> cracked
0: open like- Crack me open ago, right? yeah, like an egg, yeah. And
1: I think that's the same way in dentistry. I mean, some of the technologies we're offering to the patients, they can get faster, better, more convenient, and also better experience for them Why would you choose the old way? Same thing with that digital x-rays, you know, why would you go through the whole chemical process of all? I mean, I still get those x-rays from some of the old dentists that we have to like look it up to the light box. I'm going, what are they doing with these things, you know? So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it it is amazing. And I think we, as a dentist, get comfortable because you do the same thing over and over and then you get better at it because you're doing more and more of it. But having said that, you're absolutely right we need to be challenging ourselves and get more uncomfortable and learn more things and get better at it because that's why we're going to get better and then that's how we can provide better care for the patients as well too and patients actually look for those things i mean you're big into marketing you know that's what they're looking for now supposedly
0: (laughs) but but that's and i think the human challenge is that that we especially if we get good at something and we have to change how we do it, it slows us down and yeah. we don't like it. And dentist in particular, you're working in such tiny blocks. You know, I'm gonna do this crown prep, it's gonna take me seven and a half minutes. And then I'm going to this room and I'm doing that. So if it suddenly takes 10 or 15, it's like, oh, this is too much. It's like, I, I can't do it this way. When, when, and then what, but what's gonna happen is you're either going to the technology's going to eliminate that step that that you're doing, like taking a temporary off and and putting in a, the the, the lab produced crown on, uh, or that procedure is going to take five minutes or four minutes three months from now once you've adapted to technology. I was, I call it slowing down to speed up, and it's oh, yeah. it's hard for people to do it's hard for dentists to do because they're like, they're so used to, especially after 15 or 20 years, they got a rhythm through, you know, through every procedure. But it's also not that interesting.
1: <laughs> right, right. And you don't so, get to experience new things. And I think, and then there's so many different materials that's coming out that you need to understand how things are going to work and whatnot. So you're absolutely right. And I, I have to probably... Um, I mean, not just agree, but reiterate, dentistry has become so much more exciting in the last 10 years. And, you know, the amount of technology, the materials, it's, I think it's so exciting. I mean, medical, too, medical field as well, but even dentistry, even more so. I think I'm seeing that whole curve of everybody, either you're on it or you're not on it, you know? And I think this yeah. whole pandemic time definitely defined that little more as well, too. I'm seeing a lot of the practices around me that who's been kind of doing whatever they were doing 20 years ago. They thought that they were able to chug along, not anymore, you know, and then then to try to make that change from where they were say 20 years ago to now what's required now post pandemic, they were not able to make it. So I have several doctors who are not able to come back and not able to adapt to the new changes and all the stuff that's happening. And of course that really drove to our practice of all the growth that we're experiencing post pandemic, other than the three months that we were closed mandatory, we didn't miss a beat as soon as we came back, we were just, we were rolling and the growth is just exponential right now. So I think we're probably gonna see a lot of those trend going on uh, more so as uh, the time solidifying more.
0: Yeah, well, I remember you telling me as we were in the midst of the pandemic and you were open um, and you had adapted a, a full set of safety procedures for your mm, patients of course. and you were getting, m- a, an amazing flow of new patients and half of them were record transfers. They were people leaving an existing dentist.
1: Right. Right. Cause it's all service oriented. And it's, what's so funny to me is I think I read it in one of your books. It's like what we're competing is not another dentist down the street. What we're competing is what's fearing them and what's blocking them from seeking dental care whether it's a financial reasons or some other competing factors or you know just w- whatever it would be um cuz Dentistry is there. I mean, it's not like people still have cavities, people still break their teeth, whether it's a pandemic or whatever it's happening. So now I feel like we're so inundated with all the stuff that needs to be done and it's not gonna go away. And even like cosmetic things, you know, a lot of people, I think it's just like what we're doing right now. You look at ourselves in zoom goes, oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't like the smile. I don't like what's going on, you know? So a lot of people have come in and then they actually are gearing toward more of the things that they, even, they haven't even thought about. So the... The opportunity is unbelievable. And I think what we can do to contribute is just amazing moving forward.
0: Well, this is an interesting thing that is happening because of the pandemic. It's one of the weird side effects that is positive for dentistry, which is Zoom calls, uh, which people are essentially looking in the mirror for hours of the day. That they wouldn't. You you are looking at your face now. Sometimes it's, it's it's the tiny picture, and the other person's the big picture. But sometimes it's side to side, or when you're talking, it's it's bigger or whatever. But we don't look in the mirror that much. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> that would be a really narcissistic person who looked at themselves in the mirror for four, five, six hours a day. But now people are are looking, going. And, and especially if they look at a recording after or they're recording it for something and they're looking at their teeth and they're going, wow, you know, I, I don't look so, so good after, you know, my teeth don't look great. Uh, and they, they it, it elevates it as a, a priority to them because they're going to do FaceTime and zoom forever. Right. You know, this right. is, these, these things are, are, integral, you know, I don't, even, I don't like to make phone calls at all anymore. It's like FaceTime me. I want to see you, you know, I want right. to, I want to do that or just text me. If you got some information, send me a text. Right. So dentists out there, this is, this is a great opportunity. It's also a great opportunity to just incorporate teledentistry mm, and absolutely. start diagnosing people that way. Uh, that there's a COVID has amazingly accelerated teledentistry. Yeah. Um, And
1: like all the consults or pre-consults and all those things. And nowadays, you know, anybody can just take a picture and send to me. So we know exactly how to schedule patients. So it's not like, you know, come and see, let's see what we can do kind of thing. We already know. And then that kind of builds into the efficiency of your schedule and how things are going to be. You're not wasting your chair time. You know, I always say, chair that's not producing is no production. So you don't (laughs) want to be just having somebody come in and sit and waiting for things. You want to make sure that things are being scheduled properly. So you're actually driving for that, you know, the production, because obviously you want to pay your team and pay your whatever you need to pay as well. So it's just all about encompassing everything together and understanding how things are. And, you know, the interesting for me is that I think we talked about it a little briefly. It's like, I really am feeling that whatever doesn't kill you will make a stronger thing with this whole situation. Because, I mean, we were devastated. I mean, we were like, we don't know what's going on. This never happened. And even if you were to ask me, like, two years ago, something like this could happen, I'd be like, really? Like, United States? I don't think so. You know, but it happened. And we are living through it. But having said that, I think we're all adapting, we're learning great technology, we're all, I mean, hopefully all the offices that are coming together are not using paper charts anymore, you know, that kind of stuff. So it is really accelerating some of the things that dentistry should get up there to be like leader of those technologies and everything else that needs to be there, you know? So I think it's been, I mean, I'm actually super excited coming out of this whole thing. Yes, it was dreadful those three months, but having said that, a lot of things have changed. So some of the teaching things that I do, you know, it used to be all in person. Now we have figured out how to do remote training, you know, and then found better things to do involving their team and whatnot and being able to do in their own environment. We're seeing great results with those things. So I think it's, it's really amazing. Like what we're doing as a human, I think we also look for those type of uh, improvement, but you know, in dental field, of course.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always going to be challenge. There's going to be good times and bad times. And there's always the opportunity to go, what's good about this? What's, what's different about this that maybe I can learn from and improve uh, or take advantage of or offer something better because of this? You know, I, I was also talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about this, this is going to be a great opportunity to, to close that gap between oral health and overall health.
1: Oh, I 100% agree with you on that, absolutely. Yeah, because I always say that patients actually see dentists more frequently than they would for their primary physicians. So I mean, we will see them three, four, six months increments or sometimes more if they have work to be done. So I do think it's our responsibility to be able to um, at least do the diagnosis and then being able to guide the patients and being a gateway for the patients to be able to get, just even simple as taking blood pressures, you know, that's a good screening thing for the patients. And we both know that a lot of times, a lot of the systemic symptoms show up orally as well too, first, yeah. so then that's the first sign that we can also start to help patients. I absolutely agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, and I think we're gonna develop more and more diagnostic tools, non-invasive diagnostic tools that use breath and saliva that's that's gonna tell a lot of information about the patient. and. And the other interesting thing is we see patients, we, see, I feel like a dentist because I've, I've been <laughs> yeah, in it they're so are are honorary
1: dentists. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we see them a lot more when they're healthy than their physician does. if if they don't people don't start doing regular uh, annual physicals till they're in their 40s a lot of times sometimes in their 50s they'll do every once in a while they'll go to a doctor but mostly they're going because they're sick whereas we are routinely seeing them when they're healthy routinely like as you say three to every three to six months with a patient that's that's an opportunity to help keep them on top of their health and we can say guess what? Your mouth is integral to your overall health. You're, mm-hmm. you know, this COVID has made people keenly aware of, uh, having a strong immune system and you can't have it without, uh, healthy teeth and gums. So yeah, right. uh, right. we can, we can, we can run with this. So I'm very interested in, in when you discovered your first toy, like the first technology that you went, Oh, wow. Uh, this changes everything for me.
1: Yeah. So the, one of the most amazing, to me, it's like a game changer, is Solea. So am I allowed to say the name?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay.
1: <laughs> so Solea is the all-tissue laser that's out there. Yeah, maybe I they'll send
0: me a hundred bucks, so you can say it twice even.
1: Okay, maybe. all right. Solea, Solea, there you go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it, um, I first got Solea into my practice about six years ago, and I fiddled with different lasers before and, you know, soft tissue lasers and some other means of things. And it just was never quite it. But then talking about kind of hitting the plateau of what you were doing, I kind of at that point thought, "Hmm, this is like, the maximum that I could do. I don't think there's anything more I can do. I'm as efficient as I can be. Um, in fact, I remember sitting down with a schedule, looking at it going, yeah, I spend all my little times and I have no wasted time in my day. And as I said, you know, the, lose, you know no production at chair time is no production, so I just kind of make sure that everything is running as efficiently, not like chaos, but very organized chaos. And then we can make things happen so we can provide the care for the patients. So when I first got to in. My anticipation and expectations for it was, okay, if we can really do that anesthesia-free dentistry, awesome. That would That's what I want. You know, I didn't expect it to make me efficient. I didn't expect it to do anything more. I didn't expect it to be a game changer. I really didn't have high expectations because I've dealt with different technologies that didn't quite like, you know, made it to where it needs to be. Boy, that was a game changer for my practice. So... Um, I have six soleas total right now in all of my practices. I have three in my Morgantown office that I use by myself because I have basically one in each room because I use it basically for every patient. So for me, that's like having a handpiece there. If you have somebody that's gonna be coming in, that's what I need. Um, And then each of my locations, I have solea in there because that was what's driving the marketing for the practice and that's what's creating the retention for the practice. When patients like the experience that they have in your practice, they won't go. They will drive. I mean, I have routinely have patients driving hour plus of a distance, passing hundreds of dentists along the way. And because I even asked that question. I'm like, <laughs> Coming here, you already passed like, you know, several doctors already. But they're like, no, but this is the only place I can get this experience. So that kind of having that experience in relationship-driven dentistry is what is gonna really be the core of the growth of the practice and what's going to make what you are. I think so. Having that um, technology, that just really was a game changer. I mean, that's you know, you know, what people dreadful of is that needle, the numbing, you know, the drill noise, drill sound, being numb afterwards, and all that stuff. So when you can get rid of all that, that was a huge thing for my patients, and then that's actually like started a whole influx of the patients and the growth, and then for me. Having that technology makes me a better dentist and better clinician, being able to provide more care, just like what you talked about, being able to provide um, the same day dentistry, you know, limiting the time that patient has to be in the chair for because you're able to do whatever you need to do, you know, with the technology that's given. It's been just a, it's been amazing. So with that, of course, I always think it was hand in hand. Uh, with digital technology. So internal scanners and then make sure that you're you know, not having those gook in the mouth. I mean, I just look at patients, even now patients come in and we do the scan for the impressions. They're like, what did you just do? I'm like, we just <laughs> took the impression for your, you know, whatever it would be like a partial or the crowns. And like, so you don't have to like put that stuff in my mouth what stuff, you know, that's it. Like, yeah, yeah. Factors, you know? Again, that's a wow factor for the patient. And, you know, you talked about CEREC already too. So we have uh, prime scans and prime mills and we're just milling out crowns for the patients. I mean, that's a huge thing for the patients. And when you give that experience and when you give that, that builds a relationship because that also have them realize that you have all these, because the patients know, they, they look at the machine and they go, I frequently get that. It's like, that thing is really expensive, isn't it? I'm like, Oh yeah, that's like a house, (laughs) you know? And they're like, am I paying more? I'm like, no, because I have this for you. And for me, I'm able to do things more efficiently. So it kind of all works out. So it's all win-win situation when you incorporate technology.
0: Yeah. uh, The technology, I remind dentists, it's like, they go, well, that's, that's really expensive. It's like, no, it's only expensive if you're not using it to its full capability. If you, if it's, if you're using it um, as you should, it's an investment that makes you more profitable and because it's making you faster and more effective in less and in, in giving a better treatment, ideally in less time, eliminating a step, eliminating uh, a procedure, eliminating uh, a delay, eliminating a second visit. These are, these are all huge things and, and you just, you know, people hate shots, drilling, and impression material. And when you can, you know, with a laser, if you can eliminate all of those between digital scanning and a a laser, that's a phenomenal change in the dental experience that is considered standard to a patient. They figure they're gonna get a shot. They're gonna hear a drill spinning and they're gonna feel that vibration in their mouth. um, And you're probably gonna shove a, a ball of goo into their mouth. Uh, and and leave it there for a couple minutes.
1: Yeah. So, and not to mention the experience on my staff side. Right. Because after these impressions, you got to clean up all the mess and whatnot. You know, when you don't have all that, that also eliminates a lot of the chair time. And then the staff time, you know, you don't have to pour off the models. You don't have all that mess. I mean, it's funny because I had one um uh, assistant who came from another practice and then she was just like she didn't know what to do with herself because she's like oh so i don't have to pour anything Wait, what's going on you know so yeah. but again that just makes things easier i mean i just can't imagine doing dentistry nowadays without technology because that will just I mean, when I have to pull out to get patient numb, I'm like, all right, let me just reposition myself. You know, I mean, I still know how to do and we have <laughs> yeah, to move right? for other procedures. This is gonna hurt because
0: I'm I'm out of practice. So yeah, you know, yeah, brace uh, yourself. Yeah, exactly, right?
1: <laughs> but having said that, when you can eliminate that and make it, oh my gosh, pedo, that's like a no brainer. You know, I have so many adult patients who refer back to the childhood trauma uh, contributing yeah. to their adenophobia right now. So when you can kind of get rid of all that wow, you know, what kind of things are we cre- creating for the new generations? It, I think it's, I mean, technology is something that I think we all need to be aware of and be able to learn how to implement and be able to use it. And you're absolutely right. If the doctor is thinking of it as an expense, then it's gonna be an expense because you're not using it to where it needs to be. But if they're considering as an investment, it's an investment of the money that you're gonna put in order to get the technology into your practice, but it's also investment of your time to learn And be able to implement it because I think that's huge as well.
0: Yeah, well, and as you say, it has—you can save time in places that you didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's expense of the impression material. Fine, that's not that much. But what about that time? Because time is everything in a dental practice. (laughs) You know, the the chairs have to be producing, right? And and the 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 faster you're, you're you can get paid for the same procedure if you can get you know reduce three minutes four minutes out of a procedure never mind a second visit nobody's getting paid to take the temporary off uh, two weeks later and put the crown on it's all built into the crown price right so yeah it's
1: absolutely true I mean, I guess you could charge extra, but nobody's going to like you then at that point.
0: (laughs) No, I've I've met a few dentists that actually charge to put the temporary. Oh, really? A couple of of guys in Beverly Hills actually there, but because their patients don't care about anything or don't know Mm -hmm. any better. But most of the time I tell doctors, you're working for free at that point because you could have done it all in one visit, the whole procedure, if you had CAD CAM technology. So now you're doing it twice. That second time, you're not, in my mind, you're not getting paid. You right. get paid the first time. So you, you're, you're complaining about, uh, you know, it not producing or, or you're having trouble producing. Guess what? You're If you're working for free on every restoration at some point, it's, it's hard to, hard to justify But you said something very interesting that I wanted to, because I always, I try to find the marketing insight whenever mm-hmm. I'm talking to, remarkable dentist like yourself. Cause you know, my term remarkable is like what makes people talk about you and obviously your technology is making people talk about you cause you're changing, you're creating a remarkable patient experience, literal and figurative remarkable yeah. patient experience. But there's a little interesting thing you threw out there is that they'll come from a greater distance to your practice because you've what you've done which is most dentists if you look at their patient base they are within a certain radius now yeah. it changes depending on the city in Manhattan it's a block right? right that's your that's your radius right. um, in in Morgantown it's it could be five miles let's say right. or in Montana it's 50 right, right? because <laughs> right. they think nothing they drive 50 miles to the grocery store most True of them. Enough. so yep. uh, so but if, if you can take your city and double the radius that you're drawing from, that's an enormous difference. And that's what technology can do. I've heard, even heard that a dentist was telling me this. He said, Tell a dentistry." just that has allowed me to draw people from a greater distance. He said, sure. because they're not planning on, it's not like they're looking for a, a, a you know, a nail salon or a gym that they're going to be going to on a, you know, every week or every three days or something like that. They may, they're coming to me every six months. So what if it's five miles longer to get something radically better in their minds? They're not, they don't, consider that a problem at all so doubling your radius is a huge marketing advantage and and create, you know incorporating this technology can do that uh, it's, it's it's an insight that you know there's so many dimensions to it not just a great experience but hey how about doubling your your potential audience?
1: right <laughs> so. and not only that it's a great experience but you're able to do it a lot of them like same day dentistry. So, yeah. you know, even if you live right next to it, if you have to go there often, you know, that's a lot of your time of the, as a patient's uh, from patient's perspective. But even if you were to drive a little bit, but you can get it all done and you're done, then you're done. So yeah. I think that also, you know, having the technology to enable To be able to do the best and the most in the same given time when patients in the chair, I think that's would mean for you know for clinicians because I'm not having to turn over the chair so much for the not getting paid the second time for the patient you know that kind of situation, but also for the patient as well. So I think it goes. Yeah, and if
0: if if I'm looking for a single tooth implant, uh, and I find a practice that's going to do it in one visit. Mm-hmm. um I, i'll drive 20 miles i'll drive 30 miles i'll drive 40 miles for that practice um because th- w- it's i'm not going there on a regular basis i'm not that's not my goal is to to drop into my dentist every couple of weeks right. so and then the
1: interesting part to that whole thing is once i have a patient's in and they enjoy the experience then they convert so yeah. that kind of also grows the patient, too, because I a lot of times I have a lot of patients coming in as a second opinion because um, they heard about the no needles, no drills, you know, that whole. So they're like, well, my dentist told me that I have cavities that I'd like to come in because my neighbor told me or whatever, you know, that you have this you know needle free dentistry they come in they get the experience and they're like oh like this is actually quite nice and you know it's not like i'm competing to draw patients that way but i'm here to provide the better care and the better experience for the patients and i think we when we have those type of things happening that as you said earlier, elevates the standard of care. And then we all are going to be providing that better dentistry and get better rep for dental field as well, too. So we're no longer going to be there.
0: Well, yeah, you know, there's the potential over, you know, 10 to 20 years to totally change the perception of dentistry. If you have, let's say you're, you're five years old and your first dental experience is with a dentist who has a laser, at right. No point in your in your dental life, so to speak, will you ever have something drilled on? Maybe, and so w- you may you may never even have an injection. You just like that's that's your whole memory of dentistry is completely different. Right. Um, so th- that that could be very interesting for dentistry. It's a it's a sea change, I think. And, right.
1: Right. And so people go you'll like. Never be able yeah, they'll never be able to use dentists as those torturers, you know. <laughs>
0: right. right, it's like people go like, I don't get it. What? It, why are you? Why would you be afraid of the dentist? That doesn't exactly. make any yeah. sense, right? Oh my gosh, like, wouldn't that like, be
1: awesome? I mean, I would yeah. love to see that change happening and have that perception of the dental or the whole dentistry part changes in the future. That'd be yeah, that'd be really awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah. You 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 feel more pain when you go to your boxing class. What are you talking about? You know? Because
1: typically people say, I'd rather give birth than do this like, you know, root canal or whatever. You know, when we can make things easier and then better for the patients, I would really like to change that perception and then, you know, not have the dentistry be the dreaded part of it but more enjoyable experience for patients.
0: Well, and yeah, and it's it as you say it's always it, it becomes this reference point. Oh, it's like, you know, I would rather get audited by the IRS than get a root canal. <laughs> it's like, you've clearly never been audited by the That's IRS. Right. right you right. would you would or have a root canal really before you would do that again. <laughs> right. And and I and I finally had to have a root canal. Uh, after a lifetime of hearing how scary and painful they were and I went okay what's the big deal here? it's like I don't get it I don't get the 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 the, that was that was you know it wasn't fun but it wasn't it was didn't register as it didn't make the club of horrible things that happened to me by by any stretch so it's you went to
1: the doctor with experience and also technology that can make it yeah. quick and easy uh, yeah
0: he you know we had done a cone beam scan ahead of time he oh, knew yeah. exactly what he was looking for and actually it was was my gp spotted it with his cone beam he went like okay and actually what what he had done is this was a second root canal he had he had spotted that the the root canal that i had done it actually was actually failing oh um but he and which you wouldn't and he found it way before it would had become a painful problem right so it became so we showed it to an endodontist and he went oh wow look at that that's like he says i know exactly how to get to that and of course it complete again technology completely preventing a, a disaster it could have cost me the tooth at that point but right. like it certainly could have. It could have been like a, a lot of pain, like because the infection would have. This is way before the infection would have emerged, because um, I'm, I'm looking point. at the screen, going, I don't see it. <laughs> right.
1: But that is actually a great point because I feel like dentistry. You know, we're treating three dimensional structures with two dimensional diagnostic tools. So when you do radiographs and then we're always saying, well, by the time it's in the X-ray, then it's 25% deeper on average, or like we can't see these things because of this. And I mean, we had a lot of excuses for it. And I don't think that's an excuse for us anymore. I mean, with the cone beam, as you were mentioning with the 3D scans like that, and also like translumination technology and everything that's out there, you should be able to. And then now obviously there's even AI technology that helps you to guide and aid some of these allegiance Diagnosis as well too. So um, I actually work with Video Health, which is one of the uh, kind of leading um, AI detection of these radiographic um, uh, uh, anomalies, I should say, help you to de- uh, detect the caries and making things more. Um, consistent of what you're seeing and how you're seeing because you know there are so many variables as a person when you're looking at it whether you had your you know loops or not or some things like that you know could change or your things. coffee
0: you know. or
1: your coffee or whatever <laughs> you know. it would be or you didn't wake up early in the morning or you know whatever the variable is we're all human we get it but then having to incorporate all these technologies and AI technologies and everything else that's involved with it. It just makes us a better diagnostician and it also makes us a better clinician because now we are able to treat these things. And as you said, prevention is the key in big picture of things. But when we have to treat things, having to have those other tools to be able to aid and guide in the treatment, I think also elevates our standard of care too. So I am a, I, I really do think that kind of a 3D technology is going to have to be, and it should be a standard of care, because again, we're dealing with a standard structure of a 3D here, you know, we're working with, why are we stuck with having the 2D diagnosis all the time?
0: Yeah. And it, it's, I always tell people, it's like, it's not a like incremental difference between 2d and 3d mm-hmm. it's an exponential difference in right. information right uh and you it's know. as
1: simple as communicating with patients right you may not be able to see the cone beam or x-rays and be able to see but if you take intro picture and then show it to the patient you can see when something's failing cracked or you know all that like because you can physically see it and you know what's ugly (laughs) and you're going to be able to say something's not right over there I'm like yeah that's right so it's it's just kind of incorporating all that it gives better education for the patients and then they then in terms like you know trust your treatment and then what needs to be done and for you you're motivated to do better because now they can see it (laughs) as well too
0: so yeah Yeah. and they can see your work and They can also see the previous work that's been done on them. I I say it's it's very few things because people can't see inside their mouth. Right. Uh, Like it's pretty darn. You can look in the mirror and open, ah, open your mouth and try to see your teeth. But somebody moves a a camera around inside your mouth and puts it up on a monitor in front of you. You go, wow, what's that? It's like, that's an amalgam you had done when you were 14. Uh, and, and, uh, well, how do how do we get rid of that?
1: Right, it's or like, I was thinking the thing. same thing. Like the margin yeah. so. that's kind of uh, oh, absolutely, and I think that's, and I think that's why the you know in order to have your practice be the practice that patients should be getting into and then get the care for, you need to have these technologies in there in order to make sure you can educate patients, be able to communicate with patients and provide the care for the patient. So it has to like all flow, you know, it's not just about you getting patient and getting stuff done and them out the door, but it's about building that quality of the care for the patient and building their relationship with patients. So I think technology is just absolutely integral part to all that, that you're trying to do.
0: And it it gets people to start thinking about their their health long-term. You say, look, this gives me the capability of basically keeping your teeth in your mouth forever. Mm -hmm. because i'm always going to be at the front of any issue that comes up with your teeth not i'm not going to have to pull it i'm not going to have to grind it down to a nub because it's it's all shattered and infected or something like that Uh, and decayed so this is this is if you're going to live to hopefully 80 90 100 years old wouldn't it be nice to always have your teeth along the way instead of dentures or any other thing that that's going on? Uh, so
1: you are a uh, dentist, Fred. He's like,
0: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I I mean, I, I can, I could talk somebody into a giant treatment plan very easily, you know, just put them in front of me. Uh, everybody, everybody I know that that's what they get. It's like, I go, what are you thinking about? Like, Like, why are you, you know, Forget the boat you're thinking about buying. Look at your your dentition is what you need to be worried about. Yeah. Um, so um
1: And for me, but, what's interesting to me is uh the dental health is not just limited to teeth and gum. Now, you know, I obviously think of the overall like a total smile for the patients. So it's a relationship of their soft tissue structures, lips, and then smile lines and everything else with it. So to me, like, this is our lane, right? Head and neck area. So I feel that, you know, it's not just about giving that best veneer to the patients, but it's about knowing how that veneer actually, it blends in with the rest of your smile and what that means to have, you know, patients be educated about their, what they're gonna be happy about. Because I don't want patients to, I mean, very first of course, is getting the disease under control. So yes, you gotta take care of the periodontal disease, you gotta take care of caries and whatnot. But really what patients at the end, their goal end goal should be that healthy, beautiful smile that they're looking for. And as cliche as it sounds, really that's when they're happy. And then that's when they actually are more motivated to do better things and more things about their oral health oral care. And then that of course lead into their overall health as well too. So I think, I mean, as a dentist, I think we're in a, that integral part of what we have to do in order to get that drive going for the patient and be a partner along the way with this patient So you can actually journey with them. And, you know, you have the long term relationship with the patients. I mean, as I said earlier, I mean, I feel like I've seen some of these people for 20 plus years and I've seen the journey that they have. And then by the time they come in and they have all this stuff done and they're smiling, they're happy and just getting maintenance. It's like, oh, my God, that's a win for me, you know, and then win for the patients. And they're just ecstatic and I'm ecstatic. So that's a, that's a great marketing for me. Cause then they're the ones who's going to go out and tell others, this is my smile. You know, they're like yeah, walking the, billboard for me. Right. So. There's no
0: better marketing than your own patients. I mean, right, and, right. And, and that's what you, if you can amplify that and then amplify the radius that you draw patients from that's, that's huge. Um, there was, there was one other thing that, that I thought of in the, in the midst of it. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to try to m- recall it because it okay. was, uh, it w- it was, uh, now nah, it's gone. Uh, and <laughs> it, it, it'll, 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 it <laughs> it'll, it'll, come back to me. It'll come back to me as I tried to reach for the pad and, and, and you were trying to say something interesting and I want to listen to that. And so, um, but, um, it's, it's something to do with, with, with patients, uh, being more comfortable, uh, and recommending you, which we've already talked about. So it's not that I, I, I apologize to everyone for, for missing out. Cause this, whatever it was, it was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's gone now. We'll, we'll never recover it. And that's, that's part of the challenge of, uh, doing podcasts is stuff comes and goes. And, you know, there's, there's so much juicy stuff that, um, you can't, get all of it. So you're on your fourth practice with
1: uh, multiple doctors on so they can kind of do the paneling going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would that would be chaos. Uh, (laughs) Um, No, I've actually I've talked to people and they said if if you they've tried to have two doctors on a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Leonard Tao, who does a (laughs) podcast, he said, yep, I had two doctors on at the same time. Never again. He That's says, fun. it's just, it's like, because now there's three of us and it's just like, it's constant over-talking. And if you're listening to that podcast later, just listening to the audio, you're just going like, uh, who's talking? What's he saying? Wait, it's like, what's she, what she mean by that? And it's over, you know, it's like, so yeah. So um, I'm zeroing in on terrific stories of, of doctors. And, and so you've you're, you're launching practice four. Is there practice five in your mind? Is there?
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. So, um, I think the reputation is out. So then a lot of doctors are kind of, you know, approaching and wanting to learn one, how to incorporate technology, what kind of technologies I have a lot of doctors coming and observing me, um, and then just kind of to learn the workflow and how to actually implement and incorporate the technology into the what you're doing Um, because it's not something about I always say for me it's not about I don't buy technology because I want to do what that technology is doing I buy technology because I want that technology to do what I do so I don't let the technology (laughs) drive me I drive the technology so I want to do what I need to do and I look and research what needs to be getting incorporated into my practice. And then I built all from there. I think there's a huge difference because I think a lot of the doctors see one things and then they buy it and they think I'm gonna do this with this one product or one technology. And then not really pushing the envelope of what it's capable of doing and then pushing to the next level so that's perfect example with solea i mean i got it as a anesthesia free hard and soft tissue laser that i was going to do now it got expanded into of course the company itself has grown too we're trolling we're treating snore we're treating you know with the solea sleep so it's a you know less than five minute no uh downtime no post-op discomfort it treats your snore and you stop snoring after that 5 minute treatment i mean that's incredible so those type now of now is is that
0: are you doing the uh, the palate treatment with the laser is yeah. that what you- Yes, okay.
1: yes. You're delivering the thermal energy. I kind of call it a facelift for your throat. It's the same kind of concept as if you get the wrinkle therapy with a the laser. So you're yeah. kind of doing that to reduce the palatal flutter. So, again, that's huge, and a lot of patients love it. And talking about being able to utilize that little mini times that you have. So, those type of a treatments, you can do a same day visit for the patients. And, or like when patients sitting and waiting for the Sarah Crown to mill, you just kind of pop that in, and then you do that treatment for the patients. Again, like it's kind of goes wow. back to the we don't want to have. Have empty chair time or we don't have a chair that's not producing so you kind of right. building all that yeah.
0: your stuff. concept of is if if they're in the chair do it s- treat them you know right. be treating them the, the the more time you know because it's, it's also it can be deceptive to a doctor and go like i've got somebody in every chair it's like is is work being done on everybody in every chair right. or is, is that person having, waiting 15 minutes
1: right and that is actually excellent point because Obviously I can't do all these on my own cause I can't be at seven different places at once. So having that properly trained team and having the teamwork and having that excellent team work ethics there that's like the huge thing. So you can't just like get up there and then do everything on your own. That's gonna be the last thing that you need obviously but having okay. that good amazing team and then staff who can actually do and deliver. So at any time, if you come observe my office you're gonna see all rooms are going there's somebody in in each room getting something done. It's not necessarily I'm in that room every time, but then there's work is being done because everybody talks the same. Everybody has a protocol. Everybody knows how to deliver the care and then being able to take care of the things. So it's it's not about just having technology, just plop it in your room or in your office. It's about how to incorporate it. And it's about how to incorporate it into your workflow because you want to make your technology work for you.
0: Well, and you've brought up something which I think a lot of people get talked into technology, and that's where the disappointment comes from: mm. is they get talked into a technology that's going to add a new procedure. Oh, you're going to do a hundred phrenectomies a month, right, or something like <laughs> right. that. It's like, you no, may. you're not. <laughs> how many? How many? Have, how many have you seen in your career that you need to do that? That it would be that many, right? But but they go, Oh, that'll be great. I can suddenly, I can, I can do facelifts or I can do, you know, stuff stuff like that. And, 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 but they all involved in that is you have, now you have to market that you have to teach your team how to do that. You are adding your website needs to be updated. You are adding a division to your business instead add the technology, let it pay for itself. And then some, by doing what you already do better and then go, Oh, like you see that, that, that example of snoring is so perfect because of the way you laid it out. You said, look, you know, an enormous number of my people have a snoring issue. If while they're waiting for something else, I can give them a snoring treatment and be paid for it. And it's a way more effective snoring treatment. Now the laser has suddenly gone to a whole different level. Correct. But I used it to get rid of the shots and the drills and make me faster. So,
1: absolutely. And then, same thing with Sarek, you know, I don't necessarily always have the same day for the patients it's depending on my workflow again it's like i don't want any chair just sitting there not doing any production so sometimes i have patients wait in the waiting room or wait in their car or something like that you know they're fine with it because um they especially with the COVID time that kind of became more so uh that we're doing i mean we're I mean, in my Morgantown, that's my me as a single doctor, I mill over hundred crowns a month with CEREC. So that's a lot of productions that we're going. And so it's, it's something that you have to understand. It's not like they give you the protocol of this is what you do, this is the workflow you have to follow. No, you have your workflow, you have to make this work for you, implement it the way that you need it to, train your team so it's gonna be efficient and then they can do the work. Delegate things that needs to be done. You don't want to micromanage your team. You don't want to micromanage everything that's going on. Have people trained and have trust in them to be able to do things that they need to do, and then run it because that's really and do what you want to do. Which is if, for me, it's dentistry. So I sit and I do my dentistry. So that's when you can actually really grow the practice and build a relationship with patient and give that experience that everybody needs. And of course, have this uh, satisfaction of your team because they're doing something. They're not just assistant who's uh, spit sucking. You know. Again, the hygienists are just cleaning teeth, you know? I, I hate when people say that. It's like, oh, I just suction. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're an educator as well too, you know? Cause a lot of times when I leave the room I hear the patient asking, so what did she say? Like, what would you do if you were me? So I need to make sure my assistants are on the same page with me, talking the same talks, You know, having to understand exactly what I'm talking to the patient about and how we go about. You know, So, cause a lot of times the assistants are the ones who's wrapping up the case for me as well too. So we want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So it's like a multifaceted, but making sure that we're all going for the same goal and then having technology added to it getting that implemented properly, that just makes it cream of the crop of what you have to do in your field.
0: Well, that's such an interesting point, and I of course talk about it in my books as well, is that the whole team has to really be able to understand the value of the technology and the benefit from the patient's perspective, not oh, yeah. what it does, but what it does for them. And when the And because there's, as you said, there's a safety almost when talking to the assistant or the hygienist, about a treatment because they don't feel like they're trying to sell them anything they they they're like they're just informing them and it's it's the double check it's like yeah but what would you do it if you were me and Mm -hmm. i know the dentist is recommending it but would you do it and as the professional you go like i'm the one who went to dental school why is she asking her but there's a that's the way human beings are it's all the relationship with everybody in the practice and if that team member says my husband snored we did this on him. It's mm-hmm. changed everything. We're in the same bedroom again after 15 years. Right. And the, and, and the patient goes, really? Well, how long does that take? Was like, oh, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah. No, 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 I'm I mean, interested. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: exactly the conversation that goes on a lot of times. And then that's what actually makes the patient go, oh, yeah, that sounds easy. It's yeah. uh, it's incredible to have. I mean, the value that you can have for the technology and the, the atmosphere that you're going to have for your practice, and then having that amazing team to really be able to deliver that, I mean, that just that's what makes it, if anything. And, you know, for me, Fred, I mean, you've been to my practice. I have uh, four full-time hygienists running at all times. That's me just alone doing all this work that I have to do and checking hygiene patients, treatment plans, and, you know, anything from you know, infant phrenectomy from like age zero all the way to all in four, you know, 99 year old. Like I do everything in between. I cannot do that on my own and I will not be able to do that on my own. But having everybody trained and even doing like the hygiene checks, you know, hygienists are spending 45 minutes an hour of their time with the patient, prop them up and make sure everything needs to be done. And then when we go in, it's a continuation of the conversation. And then we wrap up the treatment plan. I always call it that my visit with a patient at the time after the hygiene visit is a validation. It's more of Mm -hmm. me going in and then being able to say, oh, yes, I agree with all these things. Then we validate and everything is ready to go. And then hygienist takes from there and then finish up the treatment plan and then get them on a schedule. So it's like a flow that we have, but it takes time to build that. And it takes time for everybody to understand and be on the same page. So, again, it's just about having that right workflow and providing that experience for the patient. It just makes your life fun because then you're not. Of course, things happen, you know, unforeseen situations happen and things, you know, little things can happen to make things chaotic. But having said that in general, I mean, you would think, you know, if when I see anywhere from 90 to 100 patients a day. At the end of the day, you'll be like, oh, I'm done, you know, but at the end of the day, a lot of times we're good. Like we're all like excited because we had done what we had to get done. Patients are excited. We're excited. It's um. It's it's a good day. It's a good day in Morgantown.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, your excitement for dentistry I, is infectious and I think a lot of dentists who listen to this are gonna start to see their practice in a different way and realize how interesting and exciting the future of dentistry is and how, how interesting and exciting they could make this week, next month. Uh, more productive but treating more patients and getting better results and and having a a great time in their profession really helping people so thank you so much Yusan, for oh, your time thank you and your- thank
1: you so much i always learn everything and i did again yeah, in this talk as well too so <laughs>
0: So uh, everyone, uh, I hope you enjoyed and learned from this. I learned a bunch from this too. Uh, So if you like it, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends. And in the meantime, keep on becoming remarkable.
1: Thank you.